I learned to love food because of him. And I learned to release the pressure on myself for working out that it was okay that I didn't have to go run or work out or whatever. And I, I lost interest in working out. I, I didn't want to go to the gym. I didn't want to run. And for an entire year, I did none of it. And that was because I, I tried fixing it on my own. I tried still eating healthy and and it wasn't until I met him that I released that intense control. Welcome to Freewheeling with Carden. This podcast shares stories of people with various disabilities and shines a new light on accessibility topics. Our goal is to knock down barriers so we can roll through life a little easier and build a community to do this together. Please rate and follow this podcast or text CART at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. We welcome you on your journey towards inclusion for all. And now, your host, Carden Wyckoff, global disability advocate and wheelchair warrior. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Freewheeling with Carden. I have Emily Dukes joining with me virtually. Hey, Emily. Hi. How are you? So happy oh, that you're here. Good. I'm so nice excited to, to meet here. you personally <laughs> as well over the internet. It's kind of crazy how we could do that yep. this this time. Um, uh, I'm honored to be a part <laughs> of this. Well, great. I'm so happy that you're here and um, just sharing your journey and your story. Um, my sister actually was the one who referred you to me. Just you guys went to college together. So <laughs> talk a little bit about... Um, your journey with eating disorders and self-love and all of that. Yeah. yeah. So I started college uh, and I went out of state my first semester. So being new to, you know, totally different environment as well as new people living on my own for the first time. Like, of course, you just get thrown off all of your grooves. And I, I remember struggling in high school with a semblance of, you know, of course, self-worth and body positivity, image, all the things. But college was when it got worse. I started photography in February of 2016 and I started modeling. And I think that's when everything shifted because I started seeing myself differently. I hmm. saw in a good way or a bad way. In a in a bad way. Okay. And in some ways, good. I, I think later on it got better because now that I've gotten comfortable with myself with being in front of the camera, I I see myself the way that I actually look. I mean, because you see good angles, you see the good lighting. You don't right. see like the bad mirror like reflecting back at you because sure. we demonize the mirror more than anything. Mm. So I started out and I was obsessed with following different models. They looked way skinnier than I did. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of trigger points. And of course, I want to be respectful of that for who listens. Um, but there are very specific things that could trigger me, and especially with like my particular insecurities about my body that I just zeroed in on. And so mm. through sophomore year until about now, it has been extremely prevalent. And it's not that I've been ashamed to talk about it because people know or even ashamed about posting, yes. but I'm very vocal about my struggles with depression and anxiety. But this one, I wanted to be in a bit of a more solid place before I started talking about it because I didn't want to just rant to the internet. Mm -hmm. I wanted to at least provide something, if not a little sure. bit of hope from my journey. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about like how it started and obviously this is a journey that you're always on, right? It's not something that you can see that ever is going to be ending. Is mm -hmm. that what I understand? I think, I think I will always have the triggers because I think when you struggle with some form of trauma and even when you do heal, even when you are on the medication, even when you are doing all of the right things, you could still fall back into it if you aren't careful, if you aren't staying vigilant with yourself. So this journey that you've been on in the last few years, starting in college, especially, I mean, in college, the, yeah. it's a time that you're learning about yourself and yeah. who you, who your identity is, you as a person, and kind of also like finding your friend group, determining what major you want to go in. I mean, there's so much going on. And 
as far as I see it, you're you're taking up modeling and you're seeing yourself in a way that isn't how you think you look. And what are some of those other mm. thoughts that are going through your mind? Well, so I actually have a question for you and you're welcome to cut this out when you need to, but do I need to preface anything with trigger warnings or how much detail am I allowed to go into? Because I'm I'm comfortable to, but if that isn't going to be uh, like productive, please let me know. I would say people gravitate towards more deeper, like okay. getting to know you as, I mean, just be as comfortable as you want to Perfect. share as much as you want. If you want to go in the nitty gritty, like sure. I think it's better to just talk about it because there's yeah. so many other people I'm sure that are going through what you're going through and are scared to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So being on my own, living on my own, I moved into my first apartment with just one roommate. I was out of the dorm. It was great. Uh, but that was when my relationship with food shifted. And it started with food, obviously, because just being in college and not really having a strict workout regime, I the easiest thing to control is what you eat. So I remember distinctly starting to have cravings for, say, a burger or Chick-fil-A sandwich. I remember sitting in my apartment in the dark. My roommate wasn't home and calling my mom on the phone. And I was so hungry, but I didn't want to go get the food because I was afraid I would be fat. Mm. I had this irrational fear of becoming massively overweight, like the 600-pound mm. life overweight. I don't just mean like a couple of the extra pounds. I mean like the excessive amount. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that was also coupled with my depression and anxiety. And so it's just that's such a bad trio to have when your mind is just attacking you on all sides. It's like it's attacking your body, attacking like your mental health as well as like your soul part, like where you feel anxiety and unrest with every part of mm -hmm. who you are. And they're compounding so, thoughts. Yeah. So well. like being on the phone with my mom and I'm saying, oh, I can't go get this because I'm just, I'm going to gain weight. And she's like, you're not going to gain weight. It's one burger, Emily. You're fine. And I would just eat either a bowl of cereal. I would starve myself completely. So I started resorting to restricting the food that I ate. So instead of throwing up or instead of some of the other research that I've done, particularly about anorexia, I definitely lean more toward anorexic tendencies, mm -hmm. especially with the mental side of it and uh, like the relationship with food. I've never had a problem with overworking myself out, but when I did start working out and coupling that with the healthy food and then throwing in the other Instagram and YouTube influencers who are like, yeah. here's what I eat in a day and here's how I look. And I would stare at their legs and their legs would be so skinnier that their sides would be so skinny. Those were the two that I gravitated to the most. I, it was almost OCD like tendencies that I'm obsessively thinking about it, obsessively looking at myself in the mirror, obsessively filming myself, like just taking like different videos of myself in the phone and my phone, like checking to make sure my face hadn't gained weight, um, checking uh, to see if like my legs touched, if I looked okay in my clothes. And I, it's funny that like in the four years of college, despite how my eating habits have changed, I still weighed the same. Mm. And I may look only slightly different, but even looking back at the photos, like I can see myself looking healthier now. I can see uh, the differences, but the fact that that number is the same, despite me eating or not eating the burger, I think is what really Fs with your mind. Mm. Um, and I think that's where it's the hardest with an eating disorder because it is in your mind. And despite what people are telling you, you're still going to be ruminating on that. And it's that rumination that will really get you. And where do you go for... Like, how do you get out of that? Or can you at all? Is it just a mindset shift? Is it things that... Tools that you seek? Was Is it therapy? I mean, other mm -hmm. people? Like, how do you get yourself out of those cyclic patterns. So that's what's hard for me that I think my situation is unique in how I got out of it and or rather how I started getting out of it because of course I'm not out of it. I still struggle with it. 
Thanks. but I'm stronger in it now in just the Good. one year of shift that I've seen. Um, hmm. I met my boyfriend and he's, he's older than me by seven years. So he has a little bit more life experience on me, which is good. And I appreciate that in him because I think the depth of our conversations, I, I know that he can handle it. I'm like some guys our age, um, but he loves to cook and he loves to make drinks. And when we met, he just started making things for us. Nice. Um, was so that good or bad? That was good because I learned to love food because of him. Mm. And I learned to release the pressure on myself for working out that it was okay that I didn't have to go run or work out or whatever. And I, I lost interest in working out. Um, I, I didn't want to go to the gym. I didn't want to run. And for an entire year, I did none of it. And that was because I, I tried fixing it on my own. I tried still eating healthy and still allowing myself some snacks. But even when I would go babysit, I'd like, I'd be snacking because I didn't want to commit to like one food or one carb, but I would still be snacking. Um, so it was this like really awful cycle that I it was so unforgiving, no grace for myself within it. And it wasn't until I met him that I released that intense control and allowed myself to enjoy the food that he would cook for us when he wanted to cook for us or that we went out, you know, for dates, um, allowed myself to enjoy desserts more. And he knows, uh, he knows my struggles with it. I'm incredibly open about that. Um, and I, I can still get triggered. I can, I still have to like watch myself, especially I think right now with Instagram influencers, I cannot, will sure. not follow anyone who posts about their workouts or what they eat because that's not healthy for me. That doesn't help me. I have to be careful with scrolling my explore page. Uh, especially if, if I see a before and after picture, those can be really triggering because mm -hmm. in my mind, my deepest fear is losing control of myself. And I think that's very interesting like when you dig down into the nitty gritty and you know why you're leaning toward that or why you're trying to control that thing. I know mine is because I'm afraid of being out of control. And with him, I felt safe enough to allow myself to release some of that. And by doing that, I started learning to love just eating again and eating pizza and listening to my body for when I was craving something. And with quarantine having been going on for the last three months now, I just started walking because I was desperate for movement. Sure. I didn't have anything else. And I, I knew it would make me feel better. And now I have a really sweet, really healthy relationship with just walking I don't force myself to run. In fact, I don't want to. And I don't walk in order to shave off the pounds of what I ate. It's more, I want to get out and move. I want to be out in nature. I want to soak in the sun. And I and those two things have come about in this year after having released those others uh, over a year ago. And I'm so thankful to be in that place now. But I don't think I would have made it there without him. And I don't think I would have made it there without my best friend. And had I had the money, I totally would have been with a therapist talking with her about that. Got it. So, I mean, it's it's great to hear that you have you found someone that is kind of this opposite of everything that who you mm -hmm. who your identity is, right? Of some you you having this obsessive thoughts about food and then him absolutely loving food and mm, kind of merging mm -hmm. those two worlds together, I think is almost uh, ideal, you know, just, um, and like you said, with not having money for therapy, what would you say to others who maybe just don't find a relationship, right? They may mm, be struggling mm -hmm. during that time. Yeah. What are some other tools and resources that you found helpful? So this almost links more to my depression and anxiety. And of course, with my eating disorder, this has come into play and helped with it. But I've, I've developed a very strong sense of myself in regards to self-care. So I am very adamant about, say, washing my face, which means taking a shower at night now instead of in the morning. And this may sound trivial. This may sound like it doesn't make sense why I'm even bringing it up, but it's very small things 
very small things, baby steps. And it's baby step after baby step of say, keeping my room clean and not letting anything pile up uh, on the floor because that sends me into a depressive state. And then that sends me into needing to control something because it's, if I can't control my mind, at least maybe I can control my eating. And then you're white knuckling the shit out of that. And you're, you're spiraling and you just keep adding those things on and it gets darker and you get deeper into the woods and you just can't get out at that point. So I, I have lots of protective measures from keeping my space clean to having essential oils going or taking baths or clothes that feel comfortable. And I've gone through stages where I either have clothes that are oversized or clothes that are form fitting based on how I feel in my body. And it's, it's an acute attuneness to what I need and listening to myself. And I got there, I, I did go into therapy for a while uh, for depression and anxiety, but I had to get out of that. And that was after about a year just because of financial reasons. So when I was on my own, one of the things that helped the most was my best friend confiding in her. We're very similar. She's a four on the Enneagram scale. I'm a seven. So we have a lot of tendencies that are the same. We've experienced a lot of the same things. And so we, I don't think I've ever had a friendship and will ever have a friendship that dives as deep as she and I do. And I think it's been through those honest conversations of telling her when something's going on, where it shifted from me telling my mom, freaking out in my living room in the dark to sitting in literal light be it outside or sitting in my bedroom telling my best friend, I'm struggling today. I'm feeling this thing. I put this bikini on or I put these shorts on and they were tight today and that's weird or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. As well as like having conversations about other things. I think it's, I think it's about not letting the skeletons build up and that if you're afraid of going Mm -hmm. into your mind, start really, really small because it's not just the eating disorder. Sure. At least that was my experience. It's everything is intertwined. I've done a lot of personal work through um, self therapy type websites, Instagram posts. So there's like a couple of girls that I follow, like psychologists type women, um, and they'll post things. I've done everything from pulling my journal out to writing prompts down to ordering some books off of Amazon about assertiveness to complex PTSD, just diving into my mind and not being afraid to do that because if i'm afraid of my mind i'm going to sabotage that does sure. that make sense where yeah. you you're not on yourself's team mm-hmm. and the thing is is that you have to be on yourself's team on yourself's team if you're going to get out right yeah i really like how you said don't let the skeletons build up because yeah. with that i think it's just compounding Right. If it's like, oh, you leave the clothes on the floor. Oh, you leave the bed unmade. And oh, and then it just, I even find with myself that, you know, if I leave an untidy room, mm-hmm. it just continues to build up. It's like, oh, well, I'll just keep the dish in the sink or like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just mm-hmm. keep the bathroom untidy. And mm-hmm. then like, I come home and I'm like, mm-hmm. gosh, this place, like, it drives me, it makes me anxious. Um, mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what those thoughts are like just compounding over and over again. So making sure that things are kept in line and mm-hmm. that you're controlling what you can control. And those are like your mm-hmm. physical built environment and the space that you live in. Um, well, and it's creating an environment that you feel safe in mm-hmm. because an eating disorder makes you not feel safe in your body. You are literally attached to your body. And if you don't feel safe in that, you're not going to feel safe anywhere else necessarily if you mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. create the space necessary. And for there's it's different for each person. So sure. I wouldn't want to put on someone, do this, do this, whatever, um, if that doesn't work. But it's also experimentation. So I find a uh, lot okay. of peace in discipline and routine. My dishes are piled up currently, though. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> have not cleaned my bathroom, and that stresses me out. Sure. And I know that stresses me out. And sometimes I still let those things pile up because I know my body maybe needs something else, or maybe I just don't need to do that tonight. I need to focus on myself, or just I don't have the energy to do it. 
So there's grace in that too, but it is the awareness of I'm my most happy when my space is clean, my room is clean. I have my certain elements going, be it like the lighting to candles to my kittens walking around. Um, And I think that protection helps me feel safe enough to dive into the deeper thoughts, to meet those skeletons face to face, to not be afraid of that, to not be afraid of the darkness. And this is, of course, on top of having my support team of be that a relationship or if it's just your one best friend that you're confiding in and knowing and making sure that they're healthy enough to handle that. I remember having a friend who equally struggled with an eating disorder. And at that point, I didn't realize it, but we were compounding on top of each other. And that's not good. It's not going to be beneficial. Right. Of course, you can rant about things. But if it's almost encouraging each other to stay in it, then at that point, it's like you're backtracking on the work that you're fighting to do. Yeah. And I, I was just, I thought about, you said how your weight stayed the same. And I think that's very mm. anti what I would normally think about what anorexia mm. is, right? You see all these images on the internet of like what you think anorexia looks like of like bone thin and literally sure. no skin on your bones. And it sounds mm. like that's you're, that's you don't fit that mold. So what would you say to, I guess, that stereotype? But that's, I mean, that stereotype exists for sure. And I okay. I do remember my mom saying, you look too skinny. And I did mm-hmm. have to have a conversation with her about that. That was a big boundary of like, you okay. cannot keep bringing this up to me. Because if you do, I take that and I don't look at that as, oh, I need to eat more. It's like, oh, I'm doing what I need to be doing. I'm staying skinny. And so right. it's. It's having the boldness to have those conversations in case those do come up, if that comes up. Um, but as for the stereotype, I I didn't let myself get that far. But maybe that was because I was afraid of going that far because I knew mm. of the stigmatization or I knew of people who had struggled with it and had expressed their struggle with it. So mm-hmm. for that one, that may just be different for me, but it's also different for each case. That's going okay. to be based off of your home life experience mm-hmm. to if you're in college or not. So perhaps if anything, just knowing if you're not someone who struggles with an eating disorder, that it could look very different, that it does not have to just fit into anorexia or bulimia, mm-hmm. that each person's fear can look very different and manifest differently. Okay. And of course you can have similar things, but even say with depression, someone's depression will look very different from mine and you manifest it differently as well as the harmful things that you do or the things that you do to prevent it. Interesting. Yeah. This is really great to learn because I didn't even know that was the case, right? That it can manifest in so many different ways, but it makes sense because so many illnesses manifest in different ways. There's never one just cookie cutter mold Mm. of what someone identifies as um, that type of struggle. I love how society and especially in our young culture, like be it on Twitter, on Instagram, you see trigger warning. I remember watching this movie that came out a few years ago and it was about an eating disorder and it was the stereotypical, very skinny, like bone thin um, girl. I don't remember what it was called. Watching that was really triggering for me. But I went into that knowing what I was watching versus if you're scrolling on Instagram Mm -hmm. and it's so much harder to filter what you see on your explore page. Like, of course, you can just say, see fewer posts than this, but you're still going to see things pop up. So I, I do love that people have become more conscious about it and will say trigger warning, especially if they're going to talk about something in depth, in detail. Uh, the nitty gritty again. Um, so I think, I think we're moving forward into a more aware culture about these things because depression and anxiety, I feel, and I also feel I can say this because I have it, I've experienced it. Those have become more normalized. I think we've hit a point where it's been talked about enough. Not that you can't stop talking about it. It's that, okay, We've made it to the point, we know people struggle with this. We accept this. This is good that we're talking about this. We've had the good, right conversations versus 
I feel eating disorders are a little more pushed into the closet. There's a Mm. lot more shame around those. I don't feel Mm. those have been talked about enough. We haven't reached the point of normalizing that conversation. Mm. One of the things that I love, I respect her so much for doing this, is in Taylor Swift's documentary uh, in Miss Americana, when she talks about her uh, struggle with her eating disorder. Mm. And I get chills talking about this because I remember telling my best friend when I finished watching this, I cried Mm. at this scene. She's in this car leaving New York and she sees a picture of herself on her phone where it's just an awkward body position. It's just like, that looks weird. That's really not me type of thing. And she was like, had this been me a few years ago looking at this picture, this would have spiraled me. I just Mm. would not eat. I thought I was the right size. I was fitting the mold of what Mm. everyone was saying that I needed to be. And it was her line, we don't do that anymore. Mm. And it slapped me in the face and hit me in the (laughs) chest. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that I think is the foundation for any form of healing. Sure. Be that in a roar or a whisper. Yeah. Whatever the energy you have, just saying, we don't do that anymore. We're not going to do that. That, that, mm-hmm. that brings you into yourself, that you're on yourself's team, that you're joining with perhaps, say, the weaker part of your mind that sure. you feel that struggles with it. And taking it along saying, hey, I see you. I feel for you. We're not going to do that anymore. Mm. Do you find that there's other influencers uh, like celebrities that are sharing their stories with eating disorders? So I keep up with Taylor Swift for sure the most. I don't know if... I I, I know that they do. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But one Mm. person in particular who's been in my circle who I'm friends with, she is an author and blogger based out of Atlanta. Her name is Hannah Brincher. She, I remember talking a lot about uh, her struggle with her body, her struggle with eating. Um, And so she's brought her followers along on her journey of changing eating habits. She's done the whole 30. She's done these different things where those things Mm. have been very healthy for her, where her Mm. putting those limits on herself have actually been really great. Whereas for me, as much as I love and respect her, I know that's not going to be beneficial to me because that means restricting And her struggle wasn't with restricting. Mm. So it's understanding what is the core struggle you have. Yeah. And being vigilant with watching what you let into your sphere. Mm -hmm. And with social media, you can obviously control that to a degree because you can follow and follow people that will help bring you to a better place if you're, you know, in, in a certain, if you're feeling some type of way one day. Or you right. know, talk to your friend about it. <laughs> and I think you being aware of our little shadow sides that mm-hmm. even though we do that, we follow and follow, we can still check their profiles. True. I do that. And yeah. I, I have to be careful with that to where I've, I've gotten to the point I just block people, not because mm-hmm. they've done anything to me or even know me, but because... So that you don't check. Right. Yeah, um, yeah it's... I, I think the biggest thing is that vigilance and that if you struggle with that right now, that that's okay. That's just something that's learned over time. Just like you learning to ride a bike or you're compounding your ability to count from one to 10 to one to a hundred when you're a kid. It's it's growth. It's slow and it's okay for it to be slow. Mm-hmm. It's those little victories that are going to count the most. Right. And your social media, it seems like you talk a lot about your own personal journey and self-love and body positivity. Mm-hmm. So I guess what tell us more about your mission and your values around that. Yeah. I it's funny when you know you think about a brand, what is their mission statement? I don't necessarily have one. If there were to be one, it would honestly be what's on my profile now. And it says <laughs> stay brave little lion. Yeah. So I have seven tattoos right now and Mm -hmm. growing. And my first tattoo was a lion tattoo. I have very curly hair. So I have, of course, always struggled with not having straight hair. You know, when I was a kid, I felt very insecure in that, of course. And and now I love it and I would not give it away to anyone. But I can't curl my hair to worth anything. (laughs) It falls out in a second. So, But I (laughs) I think attaching myself to a lion and 
adopting those personality traits of a line that they're brave, that they're bold, but also there's a softness to them. There's a majesty mm-hmm. to them that sure. they carry that those things can exist in both. So the stay brave little lion mantra, I've had that for several years. It's just kind of what I would whisper to myself um, and want to whisper out to other people that it's like, I know you're struggling. Stay brave. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Because Brave means, in the dictionary, enduring fearlessly. Mm. Having the boldness, having the courage. Like Each of those words have different meanings, but it's, it's the ability to step into the hard shit and yeah. keep going into it. Or if you don't have the energy or ability to move, that you at least stand firm. And then mm. you're like, This hurts. This is really hard facing this. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of myself, but I'm going to stand in this. So be that in my photos, you know, when I've taken photos of cities and when I've I've been in New York, I I love New York. So my love for that city has come out before. My my feed has changed a lot. It it hasn't stayed cohesive. And I love that you you can scroll through my Instagram and you can see where I'm at in each stage of my life. And I love that. And right now I'm in a soft period where I don't have to quote roar to be heard. I know who Mm -hmm. I am. Um, and of course, I'm still learning it, but it's the concept of that. I know who I am. I don't have to roar to know that I'm a lion if you want to keep using that analogy um so i've been able to work with a couple of brands that's always fun of course but one of the ones that's been my favorite is working with a bra and underwear company because that opened up more doors for me to dive into not boudoir photos because that's not what i'm doing it's just i I feel it's soft it's soft photography I, i don't even know how to explain it it's just sure it's soft. It's loving. It's kind. I would say um, it comes off as loving and kind. Yeah. It's not like sexy and lustrous right. and stuff. No, I, I get it. I was like, wow, you're really loving yourself. And in even just, you know, a bra and underwear. Right. That it's that I can, I can feel the confidence in my body as a mm-hmm. woman that you strip away everything else. And my name is Emily, that I'm a photographer. I live in Atlanta. You strip all of that away. And it's, I'm a woman. This is my body. I'm not going to be ashamed for this because I grew up in a family and in a very conservative culture that shamed that, that shamed our bodies. And perhaps that's where it came from too. I don't know. But um, my goal always with my feed is to not create a space where people would go to where you feel that jealousy, but you keep checking that profile. Mm -hmm. I, I would hope my feed never becomes that. Um, I actually, I have a friend who was so sweet in her honesty about this that she said, I love yourself, love for yourself. And I find myself almost scrolling faster through your posts now because I'm not there yet. And it Mm. intimidates me. Uh, and I told her, please know that if you need to block me, you can do that. I remember my childhood best friend having to do that for a while that she said, I just want you to know that this is not about you. This is my protection for myself. Mm. And I think, I think you were there, you've experienced that as well. When you're honest about that, I think people will be receptive. Then you realize that telling them that if they take it the wrong way, then you know, they're not meant to be in your life. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. And how do you celebrate those good days? Mm. I think in different ways, and it depends on the stage uh, of where you're at. I think right now I celebrate it by telling my friend, especially if I realize something new. So if I come to a new revelation that's an even deeper level than where I was at, uh, or I realize this is what's triggering me, or I found a new trigger, or, oh my God, this this is why I'm struggling with this because X and Y happened in my childhood or this happened with this person or this person said this and I've held on to that and I didn't even realize it. Something like that. You know, if it's if it's that kind of good day, that victory of like, oh, we we found something. We found another yeah. we found another like hot spot of what's going on here. Um it's, it's having the conversations and relishing in that feeling in my body. If it's 
allowing myself to eat pizza and then that's a victory, I enjoy mm. that. And I'm yeah. intentional in my mind to enjoy it as it's happening. That if I hear in my mind, you shouldn't eat the three pieces, you shouldn't eat four, however many it's telling me in my mind, or, oh, you shouldn't have ice cream after that. Or maybe you should go walk after this. It's it's shutting those down and allowing the enjoyment in your body because we're made to enjoy pleasure. We've been, we right. were made to enjoy the taste of food and it be good food. Um, right. So, and of course I, I still am conscious about things and I feel, I feel equal victory when I eat healthy, but I feel the same level of victory when I allow myself to PB and J sandwich, because that's what I want for lunch. And that's all I've wanted for lunch through quarantine or eating a bowl of Cheerios for breakfast, because that's what I want. Um, and knowing that that's not going to kill me or that's not going to make me gain 600 pounds, it's freeing. And I think continuing to dive into that, uh, to feel that feeling has what's helped me. I like how you said, you know, those thoughts, they come in. As if they're mm. like clouds in the sky. But then, mm. you know, you just, you keep on doing, you're not ignoring them. You're recognizing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You're sitting with them like, okay, mm-hmm. thought, you've entered my mind. You're here. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to do something else. Mm. I choose differently because I protect my own self-worth. And um, yeah, that's, I really mm. like that. I think that's a, a common practice in meditation. Mm-hmm, and also mm-hmm. in self, uh, self coaching and self confidence, mm-hmm. a lot of that is yeah. okay. Those those thoughts of fear, those thoughts of doubt and negativity, and all those bad things, they drift in, and you're supposed to just sit with it and and then just continue on because over time they will eventually not be as triggering. Mm-hmm. Because the more that you sit with it, is the better off that you'll be. Is what I have found. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Wow. I really, this is such a fascinating conversation. Just diving into like the mind and thinking about how you just, yeah, everyone's mind is different, right? You think and you look at things differently and um, yeah. just dealing with how society looks at you and how you look at society. And um, are you at a stage that, I mean, are you in a corporate world job or no? I'm not. Uh, so I, I, I lost all of my jobs. Uh, I'm a freelancer. I do photography and videography work. And I nanny too. That's always cool. been on the side to compensate things. But I have been interested in a corporate job. I, mm-hmm. But I think it's because I want to try it to make sure that... It's a good fit. Right. That I am like, okay, do I really want to stay with freelance? Because of course, there's things I struggle with, but I've got my weaknesses with it. Um, there are other things that I absolutely love with it. And I think the... The time that I've had since graduating college to sit with myself the last year, especially because I, I've, I have friends in so many different states. I'm no saying. one is near <laughs> me other than my boyfriend. And especially during quarantine, that's been really hard mm-hmm. because I've been intensely alone. And if I let myself think about it too quickly, I get depressed. And then, of course, like it, it starts to spiral again. So it's it's the awareness of that. It's aware of sometimes I just need to go be next to him, not because he needs to give me anything, but because I just need to be near a person. Yeah. Um, so with having people in different states to my work, not <laughs> just being non-existent right now, I've thought about a corporate job and have wondered how that could potentially change or better. Uh, my relationship with food or routine, because especially when I have that routine, I remember uh, nannying one summer and it was very consistent every day to where I would bring my workout gear um, and I would work out like when I would get home because that just became my routine and I was easily able to fall into that. Whereas it's, it is harder when I'm freelancing to hold myself to those routines. But I think that's okay for right now because I've needed to release myself from those routines in order to feel healthy again. Okay. Two thoughts that popped up um, with that. Uh, The first one is how do you feel or how do you take the difference between being alone and feeling lonely? Mm-hmm. And then the other one is if you were to go into a corporate world, because it's kind of sounds like it's a little bit on your mind, would you disclose that you 
have and you have a journey with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and so on. And kind of what what would you look for in a company that supports that? Mm-hmm. So the difference between being alone and lonely for me, I've thought about this a lot. And I, I know a lot of people have because of being in quarantine, especially people who came from corporate jobs and were sent home. Whereas at least for me, yeah, I was going out and doing my shoots, but my routine didn't change too much from what it's been like since I graduated, even really before since I graduated. The difference for me is when I feel lonely and I feel the isolation, I feel the depression creeping in, that feels like separating myself from people. That feels like pulling back. That feels like overthinking. Mm. And assuming that they look at me weird, almost like paranoia of, oh, I'm annoying. They don't want to talk to me anymore. Oh, I talk too much. Or you just like, again, it's almost like the OCD thoughts of like, you just intensely focus on something, you're repeating it over and over. And so my mind has always worked with depression. And I think that's why the eating disorder with restricting my diet is like, I need to do this. I need to do this over and over. Versus being alone, I have found a solace and peace Mm. and safety in being alone, especially with having a boyfriend now that this is my first long-term, like, deep, serious relationship. And knowing that it's really important to me to have my independence and my space. It's funny because I am an extrovert, very much so. And understanding that is... If I go too long without seeing people, I start to unravel. (laughs) Physically being around people or especially touching people, Mm. the the quality time. But because of quarantine, I have learned to tap into my introverted side Mm. where I set up the routines, especially my morning and my evening routines and starting to really work on an afternoon routine that keeps me grounded um, so that I have things to do that I look forward to. So... You know, this sounds maybe derpy, maybe sounds random, but I, I I look forward to sometimes like waking up to my coffee. Like I, I normally drink my coffee black and sure. I've suddenly gotten into like a creamer as of late. And for like two weeks straight, I was like waking up really early just because I was excited to drink it. And I'd watch <laughs> Shit's Creek in bed and I'd eat a bowl of cereal and then I'd get up and go wash my face and I'd do my makeup because I just love putting that on. That's been a part of a routine rhythm for me that has grounded me, especially when I feel depressed. It's like, well, my body may feel really heavy, but at least I'm going to do my makeup because that's a part of my self-care. So I, yeah. the alone part is I'm with myself. I, I, get to, I get to cater to myself. The lonely is when I'm laying on the couch, just scrolling Instagram or TikTok out of fear because I don't feel safe. So when everything happened with quarantine and we started realizing just shit was hitting the fan, I remember realizing that I wasn't going to have jobs for April. I had so much lined up where I was going to be okay with rent and it hit me that everything was going to go away and I broke down like bad, like suicidal ideations for the first Mm. time since I was a freshman, since before I was even on medication. So like, this was the heaviest, worst moment where I couldn't stop crying. And it wasn't because of hormones. It was genuinely like, fuck, what am I going to do? And I, I realized I was thinking about, you know, you're not gonna be able to pay rent or you just feel like everything is, you're you're losing control. Everything. Everything. Absolutely. Everything. Like I'm not going to have money for rent. I'm not going to have money for food. I'm not going to have money for all of these other bills. I'm not going to have work. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to go back into working at Chick-fil-A or Target. And I hated working those places even it was necessary at the time, but that doesn't fill my soul. That doesn't make me happy. That drains mm-hmm. me. That doesn't make me more creative. Sure. Or I, I'm going to have to take money from my parents. I'm going to have to owe it back. And I already have a really rough relationship with my parents. And I just, I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. You're just like, what else do you say? What else do you do? So right. I, um, I remember driving over to my partner's house and was on the phone with a friend of mine who has struggled with like 
the like just intense suicidal ideations and depression and all of the things. And he was talking to me like a therapist would. And that moment, it's like, okay, I have my friend here. I know I'm not alone, but also I, am, I feel so alone right now. I am so isolated. Um, what What's about to happen? We don't know. He talked me down out of it. And my boyfriend just allowed me the space to lay on the couch and nap after that. And you recuperate, you recover. And it's like, okay, what's the next step? So sure. moving into you know the thought of a corporate job, um, I, I want something creative. I want something that's going to stimulate me. And of course, I miss being with a team of people or even having the routine where almost the the time that I've had in the last year to ground myself in my morning routines and evening routines. And I know what winds me down and I know what gets me energized in the morning that perhaps that would be great for me. Um, perhaps that would be really good boundaries for myself, protection for myself. And so in a company that a company that promotes and values people with mental illnesses, that doesn't stigmatize it, that doesn't make jokes about it. Like, of course, I, I think that's what anyone would want. Sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be a corporation that's, it doesn't have to be a nonprofit that's about mental health. In fact, I, I don't have a particularly strong desire to go into a mental health field. It's more, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the one-on-one conversations or I would rather create a film piece that's about a friend who struggles with it because that's how I shine best. Or start a podcast where I say, do what you do, where I interview my friends, that kind of thing where that feels more like my field than Mm -hmm. seeking out a nonprofit. But I think that's also because my strength is in telling stories and it's telling my story as much as I'm telling someone else's. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I like, that's why I love doing this podcast is this, Mm. it's so creative and it taps into Mm -hmm. that other side that I don't get to do on a daily basis in my day job. So this is a really nice outlet. So um, yeah, is there anything else that you want to share just about your journey and what you want to shed light on for other people? Mm -hmm. Maybe going through a similar scenario? Yeah. I wish I could go back and hug my younger self. I wish... I could meet that girl in the dark living room on the phone with her mom freaking out about food and just tell her she's okay. Mm. She's okay. She's feeling all the things and she's going to, she has a lot of things she's going to have to work through. She has a lot of things that are going to be hard to sit with. She's going to have a lot of breakdowns, Um, but to sit with her through that, because at that point I didn't have the support system that I have now. And it's a very small support system. I, I don't, I don't keep many, many close friends, but the ones that I do have, I'm very vocal, very honest with. Um, I I don't want to just throw another platitude of love yourself, accept yourself or whatever like that. Um, But I also know what it feels like to be seeking a lifeline. You just need something, especially when you're in a really rough place and you don't know what else to do. And maybe if anything, if it's finding someone that you look up to, um, especially on Instagram, at least because this is what helped me, um, Hannah Brincher, I looked up to her for years before I even met her and became friends with her. Um, I would follow her blogs and I just read those every week because those helped me most. And now it's transformed into... I listen to a different podcast about sex and about sexuality and about like coming into my own and understanding what I need and want and awareness, those kinds of things. So those, those shift over the years, but having, having those things that cater to where I'm at people who are just a few steps ahead of me in the race that I can look to and be like, okay, I see you made it out. You've been where I'm at. I can make it out too. Um, 21 Pilots is my favorite band uh, for a lot of reasons. I actually have their tattoo on my arm and I normally don't tell people um, that I have that tattoo and I don't normally tell people what it means either. But for me, the tattoo, I got it in New York and I got it as things were starting to shift for me. I started seeing something new step in. Mm. I think it's, it's knowing that you can hit ground zero. Mm. Knowing that things can get really dark 
and they'll stay dark for a while. But the dust and ash are settling, and right now you're just waiting for a way out. When it does come, you'll be a little dazed and confused (laughs) coming (laughs) out of that. But the work starts then, Mm. that you get to clear the rubble, and you get to clear what fell down. And that moment of breakdown, you get to have a breakthrough with it, that once you clear the ground, you get to lay new foundation. You get to lay down new support, new columns that are going to hold the building up. And all of a sudden you go from ground zero to being all the way at the top. And you get to look down and you just get to see the memorial of how far you've come. And I think that's what, in listening to 21 Pilots and the transformation, or even with Taylor Swift in mm-hmm. her music or to Hannah Brencher with the life she's created to now having a child of her own and getting to see what she's instilling in her daughter now. I think all of that compiles into helping me stay alive. And not just, I don't just mean in physically staying alive, but mentally staying alive. You keep fighting. Sure. You keep fighting that fight. That sometimes you're required to be on the front lines. Sometimes you're required to get a little beaten up. And then other times, it's times of peace and it's time of softness. And that perhaps that sounds just kind of out there, but those are the analogies that I've attached with the most. And those are the things that keep me going. Um, I'd write letters to myself. I'd write future letters to myself. I'd date them specifically for like a year out in the future. I wouldn't always do it around my birthday. Um, I like to do it around New Year's. New Year's is my favorite holiday. Um, Just the start of something new is so special to me. But um, sometimes I'd date at random dates where I'd write in my journal knowing I would go back months later, years later. And it would just be like, dear Emily, I don't know where you're at right now. Here's Mm -hmm. where I'm at. Um, Or speaking words into the future. And so it almost becomes prophetic. Almost becomes uh, just like getting to see how far I've come and remembering that, remembering how far you've come. And then if you're just now starting your journey with it, you're going to make it out of the woods. I promise. Just keep holding on to that. Wow. I really love that. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really like just like the restorative foundation that yeah. imagery that you created was, mm-hmm. wow, really nice. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. Emily, so much for your time and just sharing your journey. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take care. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Carton at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.